Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. This week we go multiversal. This week we get all into all sorts of little things. We talk about some canon events slash nexus events uh, for the Rasco Bros. And I are going to talk about Across the Spider-Verse. First things first, though, I can't do it by myself. Uh, I I need some help. And so, gentlemen, say hello to the people. Hey there, I'm Smider Roscoe here with my older brother, Jingles Roscoe. There he is. He's right across the way from me. But you can't see it. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to see us. You can't see me. <laughs> you can't see you me. You can't see me. Wow, Rock, I don't think you're allowed to use you that. You can't see me. <laughs> the, the, the Rock is using the, another wrestler's you catchphrase. catchphrase. Uh, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's easy heat. Rock, you're using trademark infringement. We're going to have to fine you for that. <laughs> Gentlemen, first things first. What made you happy this week? What'd you, what'd you do? Did you, what'd you do? Were you able to get into something that made you happy this week? Uh, aside from going to watch this immaculate movie, spoilers, I enjoyed it immensely. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that was expected. It's okay. Everybody does. <clears throat> it's fine. Everybody's um, enjoying it. Aside from that, Smiter and I got Street Fighter Six this week, and we've just been messing around with that. Yeah, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Smiter has been dogging me for not playing video games because I'm tired and I want to relax. Um, so I've been playing Street Fighter Six. Just and to, video games are not relaxing. Yeah, video games are not relaxing. I have to focus on them, and so um, just to just to get it into Smiter's face. Um, so that I All can still egg. prove that I am still a hashtag gamer bro. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing Street Fighter Six. I've mainly I've been playing the the World Tour because I don't I don't buy Street Fighter to go online and try and get bodied right. by people that I don't know. Yeah, but I'm probably going to do that at some yeah. point. But uh, I did the creative character and did the World Tour mode, which yeah. is their kind of story mode kind of just like free roam thing it's pretty neat it's actually so great it it reminds me of like playstation 2 era fighting game single player content it's just really dense and the closest one that i can remember to it is the create a character mode from soul Calibur 2 yeah and that was also a big adventure mode where you just create a character and you have basically have your own narrative yeah. that is wholly separate from whatever the main story is going on. Yeah. Gotcha. So that it's been it's been so great to be able to have something like that again. I also bought Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm not allowed to move on to that one yet until I get past the the story beats in uh, Street Fighter Six. Smiter's giving me a face because he thinks I'm like talking about him. No, I'm talking about myself. I don't allow myself to move on to other games. Smiter's cool with like playing a game for like two hours and then switching to a different game right. for mm. two hours and just bouncing back and forth, mm. which drives me nuts. Uh, and one day I will smother him while he sleeps over it. But uh, I need to focus on one game at a time until I beat it or I get tired of it. And then I move on to the next one. 
So uh, I'm also looking forward to playing that one as well. Because mm-hmm. so, everyone's really pumped about that one, too. Uh, so Smarter comes in, kicks in the door. He's like, uh-huh, bro, you over there with your hot dog and your grandstanding, but you're not playing your video games like you're supposed to, are you? Yeah. I came on here. I thought to myself, you should get yourself Street Fighter Six. That way you can go in here and put some beatings down on people. Yeah. Storyline mode, single player. That's the way we do it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then he asked me, why are you talking like that? <laughs> why are you talking like Macho Man Randy Why are you Savage? talking like Macho Admittedly, Man? you're doing a very good job. I'm just <laughs> confused. Because I need to inspire you with something energetic. Yeah, because madness. Madness inspires the world. Yeah, that's why I'm talking like this, man. Yeah. So go get the game so I can stop because my throat's starting to hurt a little bit. Yeah, I'm not for sure how much longer I can keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> and I miss Macho Man. I miss Macho Man, too. Uh, myself, I finally beat, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and I'm now playing nice. on the, uh, Continue Plus version, so I'm running around in the Inquisitor suit, and with my big red lightsaber, getting into fights with all, all sorts of fun people, and I keep hitting the buttons, forgetting that the, the Force abilities, you have to re-unlock them all over again. And so I keep that's right. how new game plus works. Yeah, I keep like hitting buttons to do stuff that I can't do yet because I haven't re-unlocked those things. So I have to remind myself mm-hmm. constantly. It's like you can only block right now. You can't grab ropes yet. You have to open that ability. Right. You know. Right. So um, yeah. It, yeah, I think you're definitely gonna like how the new game plus functions more in Jedi Survivor when yes. you get around to it. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's a dope. bit more robust. Ah, yes. cool, cool, cool. I can dig that. And also, I went to one of my favorite stores this weekend. We have a store over in, over in Glasgow, Kentucky, called Blue Shark Games. And every time we go there, we don't get to go there that often, but every time we go, like the owner just lights up. And she's like, oh, my gosh, hey, guys, what are you coming to get today? And it's like, well, we're coming to get some Hero Click stuff. And, you know, we were supposed to go to a tournament today, but it didn't meet because they didn't get the newest stuff in. So, oh, by the way, they they locked me out of my stuff. But as soon as I get it, I'll let you know. Just very happy to see us. It just makes us feel good to be able to go to a store where you actually wanted to be there. That's just dope for me because I've been to some stores around here where it doesn't seem like they want business unless, it, unless you look a certain way. So, it's just cool just to be able to go into a store and people be excited about you showing up like your norm from cheers or something. So dang a cheers reference. Yeah, so I know go to the store where everybody knows your name. Boom, 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 boom. That's all I know about the theme. Yeah. And so of course I went to go see this movie Friday night while my nephew went to go see transformers rise of the beast. Uh, and his reasoning for not wanting to go with me to see Spider-Man was because, quote, multiverse stuff makes my head hurt. Interesting. He can miss out. And so, you know, he told me about the Transformers thing today, which I was like, I'm going to go see it. Like, he was like, well, should I tell you? Aren't you going to go watch it? I was like, I'll watch it at some point, And when I watch it, I'll still want to see it because I'm going to gawk at all the cool stuff that happens and how they do things. You know, hopefully. So, you know, because it's, this is supposed to be a direct sequel to the Bumblebee movie, but it's also a prequel to the other Michael Bay movies we got, which, you know, I'm here for it. I mean, the stuff looks cool. I mean, Ron Perlman is the voice of uh, of Optimus Primal. You know, that's all I really need in life. You know, 
that, that's all you need in life. That, that of course, Peter Cullen is <laughs> Optimus Prime. I'll never turn I away from that. I was going to say that's a pretty short list. It's a, it's a very short yeah, list. I don't ask for much. Run Perman as Optimus Primal. That's it. You know, I don't ask for much. I really don't. Just give me some good stuff. I, I, honestly, I, I'm a little bit picky. Um, I'm I'm the kind of guy that uh, I would also, in, including that, but also I would like if the movie's good. Yeah, yes, that's yeah, what I definitely. Picky. No, 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 no. Compared to Will, though, who Will will buy like hey, look, man, he's not asking for much. All he wants is the Transformers to fight the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on top of uh, Atlan, the home of the Inhumans. He just wants all of these. He just wants every property just across wants everything across over. That's all he wants. Well, oh, speaking of which, uh, I told uh, I was talking with Jet, ta- Chat GPT yesterday because sometimes I like oh, to how's, just. How's Chat doing? Chat's doing great. Mm. Uh, chat says hi. Oh, okay. Um, and I was talking with it. I was, and I like to just ask it random questions. And I asked it so like. In the Shonen Jump series, what are some like common like themes in in the different things? And it says like all these themes, and I was like, okay, write me a crossover between Dragon Ball, One Piece, and Naruto. And it's like, okay, and it wrote me a synopsis for it. Oh wow, that's pretty great. Nice. That's crazy. The AI stuff is getting really interesting on a few levels. It just mm-hmm. is. Uh, I was gonna mention as well one th- one thing I I thought was really interesting this week as well was um, my boss uh, messaged me last night. It's cool that I have a boss that's into geek stuff, too, because he texted me last night and was like, I'm going to see the movie now. Don't spoil anything. I was like, I still haven't done that. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to spoil stuff for people. That's not fair. And, and he was like, no, I know you won't. But he said, "Just he said, we'll talk about it when I get back or whatever. So then, like, he messaged me back. It's like, hey, it was dope. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, there we go. And so he enjoyed the movie. It as was well. dope. It was dope. <clears throat> and so uh, also, I got a response back from another person that we'll be bringing back. Uh, I was encouraged by a person I interviewed to submit something into one of the swimsuit issues that will come out, I believe, in August. Um, he didn't guarantee I would get in or anything. He just said, you know, if you've got something you can put together in the next few days, submit it. I want to see it. I want to see what you submit. And so then his response to me on the email was, hey, thank you for submitting this awesome piece of work. You know, I'll let you know once we get closer to the deadline, I'll let you know what I use. I'm like, dope. So anyway, I've got some more things. Which person was that, Will? Well, that was Mr. Ben Dunn, uh, the man, the myth, the legend behind Antarctic Press and so many other things. Even stuff that I wasn't familiar with at the time. It's just like, magazine, that was a thing. I didn't know magazine was the thing he did, but he did that and so much more. So anyway, you guys have had a chance to listen to the interview. I want your thoughts on it. Did you enjoy it? Did you learn anything new that you didn't know already? Or You know, my biggest curiosities were mostly to do with the questions of what the sort of space was like and what the times were like from his perspective with the influx with the influx of anime coming on in and honestly i thought it was cool that he was already sort of picking kind of smelling the wave coming on in like he knew that he may have not have been able to predict the full scale of how much people were going to love anime yeah 
but at least he was able to know that hey there's gonna be a big audience for this we should probably tap into that market that's crazy yeah i mean i i i thought it was i i thought it was wild that his origin started with like you know richie rich being like the favorite comic book he had like i thought that was like wow that's interesting you know but then also getting the, his parents and him go, you know, go back to Thailand, Taiwan and him getting in, in, infected by the manga bug from there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It wasn't that surprising to me. He's like an old school comic fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's and as he explained, like some of those old school comics were like the ones that many of us here in the West were getting like really really early on yeah that the rest of the world slowly got a hold of itself afterwards yeah so i thought that was very neat i also thought it was funny when i suggested the whole um well you know you know scrooge mcduck and and uh, richie rich came out about the same time you know how would they fare if they crossed over and he's like well i think richie rich could kick, kick, kick uh <laughs> scrooge mcduck's ass i was just like okay <laughs> I Which I, I honestly would have to respectfully disagree. Fair enough. Scrooge McDuck operates on a, on insane cartoon rules. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course, it, 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 it's just interesting too. I think was really funny because I asked him about you know if he had the chance to do a Richie Rich, uh, what he would do. He said, I'd make a manga out of it. <laughs> it's like okay, well that's, that's okay. That's simple enough. I don't know. You kind of gave him a layup for that. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, all you did was just ask him, all like, oh, if you could do a Richie Rich story, what would it be? And, he, and the fact that he would make it into a manga, like, that's a formatting question. That's, that's like, oh, obviously. Uh, what I would want to know is what kind of story. Well, he said uh, more like an action-adventure type. Oh, he said it could be Could be more of an action-adventure type. Genres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm really, well, I mean, I would, I, I was also curious about, um, oh, well, shoot, what sort of, what kind of story would he put Richie Rich on? Would he, would it be, like, because he actually had some interesting takes about, like, look, there are comedy, there's tons of comedy manga out there that you could probably emulate. So, obviously, the question being dropped on him in the moment, he, I'm sure if with time, he probably would have had a much more concrete answer. Uh huh. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's 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 interesting, man. I learned a lot actually from him as far as just talking about different things. And how did y'all feel about the uh, his answer for what you do as far as to as brothers uh, putting a comic book together? Uh, I thought they were, like, expected, I suppose. Like, um, I, th- I, I think he was under the impression that that was going to be, like, our full-time thing was to just go hard into comics. And that's that's the hard cap end goal idea that we have. Um, he, the, the advice that he gave, obviously, was really good. If that's what somebody wants to do full-time for their career is make comics. It's a very good suggestion that he had, which is like just do a work on it and put all your time into it and all that. Um, the thing with Smider and I is that comics are just one thing that we want to do. We want mm. to do a lot of things. So 
Gotcha. Um, well, I mean, like, it's not like it's still not good advice. It actually kind of coincides with what we already have heard from other experts. So I guess, like, just that it sort of reinforced what we were already looking into, which was you can't, you have to go whole hog into it. And I mean, that's what I'm doing with my writing. Mm-hmm. And I know that we have plans to do a whole bunch of other stuff. But we can't balance all of these dishes at once. Right. At some point, we have to scale back and actually focus on one thing at a time. And for me, that's that that has manifested into my writing. And, I mean, I write prose and I submit prose as well as on the side doing comics. Because right now, what I want it like, what I feel like I can do within my time uh-huh. is focus on writing prose and then i just give jingles my finished manuscripts for comics and then just get whenever he can gotcha gotcha by the way uh, scrooge mcduck predates richie rich well, I think I said with yeah. you guys around the same time. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. he said that it, they were around the same. Time. Oh no, I just wanted that fact out. Yeah, I it's, think. I, I think. Yeah, out. I think. Yeah. I think. I looked it up on the interview. I think I said, "Well, Richie Rich was created this year, and then Drew Duck was created on this year." So I think I, the, I think I looked up the years because we did that interview twice. So it was either on that the final version or it was on the first version. I can't remember which. But anyway, I just wanted y'all's thoughts on the interview. I thought I wondered how y'all felt about it and different things like that. So I'm glad y'all got the chance to hear it. Um, I'm glad y'all were able to glean some stuff from it. Any any funny moments that y'all got out of it that y'all want to share real quick? I guess you pitching the crossover hmm. of Scrooge McDuck and Richie Rich was kind of funny to me. I, I, I could smell the crossover coming from uh, yeah. like a mile away, too. So I was all like, oh, oh, here oh, it comes. There it is. There it is. Here goes Will. Here goes Will. He did a thing. If you could cross over two characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Richie Rich is kind of like, if you could cross over. <laughs> but you didn't do it like that. You did it, you did it different. Scrooge McDuck mm. versus uh, Scrooge McDuck cuts the ultimate promo on Richie Rich. You're not even half as rich as I am. <laughs> You can't dive around in gold at your house. I can. But anyway. Boy, that's uh that's a rough accent. Yeah, that's not that that was not <laughs> that I went not went I went for it, it but it's not that great. I'm aware. Okay. We kept telling you, no, get off the top rope. Get off the top <laughs> rope. Think will. of your legacy. The will, think of your legacy. <laughs> top of the cage. But I'm then just sitting you there went swinging. for it. And you and you were all like, I'm gonna do a moonsault press. <laughs> Let us get into some across the Spider-Verse. First question I'm going to ask you guys, before we get into kind of the meat and potatoes of it, there are a whole lot of Spider-Men, Spider-Women, Spider-People, Spider-Beings. Totally unfazed. Besides the main characters that had like the whole, carried the storyline, who was at least one or two Spider people that you saw that you were just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool that we actually got this version of the Spider Man in this. Uh, pretty much all of the ones that I was expecting mm-hmm. that I kind of saw from like trailers and trailer breakdowns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was like, so, oh, all, uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. Hey, look at that. Um, the one, the one that I, I didn't expect, I kind of expected but didn't expect, um, was the fact that they got Spectacular Spider-Man yep. from the cartoon, and I believe it sounded like they got Josh Keaton to play the voice they did. for him as well. He does yeah. have a credit. So, like. That one was all like, hey, let's go. Mm. Um, oh, and of course, I, I laughed because they they were forced to acknowledge that Spider-Man 2199 exists, even though nobody cares about Spider-Man 2199. <laughs> <laughs> I was just all like, hey, look at that. At, at first, I, I pointed it out at Smiter, and he's like, what, where? And I pointed him because he Smiter doesn't know all the Spider-Men like I do. Um and I was all like, "Yeah, it's twenty one ninety nine. Nobody cares about him." And then they actually like gave him like a short speaking role, right? Right. Where they showed him a little bit more. I was like, "Okay, yeah. let's go." Yeah. Thank you for that. Nobody's going to appreciate it, but I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was very much surprised that we got Lego Verse Spider Man. <laughs> like that whole Lego yeah, Verse thing was awesome. Uh, also, the um, oh gosh, what's the name of it? The uh, uh, Spider Rex. Spider-Man T-Rex. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, that threw me a bit because, of course, we got a lot more extended stuff. Where, like he's chasing after and everything, and just kind of ah, try to bite him and everything. I thought that was cool because I remember seeing him in like some of the Spider-Verse comics and just like, oh, a meteorite hit this planet and they got Spider-Base powers. And <laughs> it's like, okay, mm-hmm. and there's a pterodactyl, that's the Green Goblin version. Okay, that's the story. I'm just like, all right, bet. So that was pretty cool. I'm, I'm surprised we got the one that was just recently created within the last maybe year or two, where it was the one that's paralyzed that has the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, she was the one that was up on the ceiling at one point talking to Miles while he's running, and then she jumps down and says something about crutch or something like that. It's like crutch, get it, crutch, and then she like jumps down and tries to hit him with the crutch. Yeah, I was like, that's a, that's interesting. That's really new. That's a really new version of Spider-Man to be in this already. Yeah. I was I was pointing that out to Smatter as well. Mm-hmm. I was all like, "That's a that's a like a brand new one," you know. I mean, she might be a year old, you know, but that's about it. Somewhere so around there, I could look it up real quick, just because I'm looking at all the different Spider Men's. And by the way, can guys. we can, can we just say J.K. Simmons' voice in J. Jonah Jameson is officially a Nexus being until we get the next movie where we have somebody else voicing a female version of Jonah J. J Jonah Jameson cuz we know there's got to be a female version somewhere. Maybe. Yeah. You know. mm, either that or we could just remember that Darren DePaul did JJ once. That's true. Darren did do JJ and he was very good at it. Mm-hmm. So But yeah, they they did a bunch of stuff there. So let's get into the movie itself kind of sort of. First things first. Man, I didn't realize that the spot could be so doggone awesome as a bad guy. Yeah, nobody, nobody expected that. Like, they, I don't know what the writers are doing. They're sitting there going, like, you know, people, because I'm pretty sure, just like most of us, I'm not going to say everybody, but most people have kind of written Spot off. Even in the comics, he's always been written off as kind of comic relief. He was kind of a, I mean, he was on, I think there was a comic run for a while back where it was called The Loser Squad that was like the rejected people from like the Sinister Syndicate. And the Sinister Six. So the Loser Squad was what was left over. And Spot was on that team. But then, like, I saw a video. Somebody pointed out that, like, the Spots fought Wolverine. The Spots fought, like, Jessica Jones. The Spots fought Luke Cage. The Spots fought several people other than Spider-Man. And it's like, okay, yeah, but I still didn't see him as a major threat. 
to anything until this movie. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know who thought to push him to this level, but it works. Like, and there you go, found it. Uh, Sun Spider is the name of the one in the crutches. Okay. And uh, she was released in May 2020. Okay, so it's been a couple of years then. It's been three years. Okay. Wow, okay. that is fresh hot. Told you. Yeah. But so anyway. Man, the ink hasn't even dried yet. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But um, I thought, of course, there was a, um, of course, it, it's just, it's just, it's just interesting to see just different versions of spiders. But then also, yeah, the spot getting a major glow up. Uh, just more so, I love the fact that they wrote him initially as kind of a, I had to turn to a life of crime. Because I didn't have a choice. I couldn't get a job. I love the fact that they referenced him back to the first movie as the guy who Miles threw the bagel at. And hit in the head with the sound effect that just says bagel. Like, this sequel really made me appreciate the first movie even more because of how much they tied back to it. Without just telling you they were going to do it. But they tied back to it a lot. I mean, they, you know, it was the uh, generator that blew up and... You know, he was in there when it happened, and but he also brought in the spider from the Earth-42 that bit Miles. And so when he says to Miles, like, I, I created you and you created me. I'm your nemesis. And then Miles is like, nah, you're like a villain of the week. You know, and then that's how that pushed him to start trying to become a better villain so that he could deal with Miles. I'm just like, dude, like, this is frightening. Because there's that scene where he's in there with the dad and, and him and, and Spot kind of, he starts getting angry, but then he ends up kicking himself in the butt as he's trying to get his powers are not working the way he needs to first. And he ends up going into the void and starting to jump across places. And yep, more stuff that Sony is like linked to the Venomverse and <laughs> Spot yep. taking Spot taking gun from his chin and and just and she's not phased by it a bit. That's the other thing. It's just like at this point in the ball game, she's just like she expects they like I think if Miss Chan had a normal day, she'd just retire. She'd just leave at this point. Because yeah. she's so pushed to see so many wild and crazy things. Like a normal day for her would just be the end of it all. She'd just be like, I'm gonna go get in my car and never come back. I'm gonna sell the store to somebody. But um, I, I just love what they did with the spot, man. Like, I love what they did with that character. I loved how they kind of pushed him to be a villain. And he was just like, I'm going to earn your respect. Like, I'm going to earn, like, the right to be your nemesis by taking everything from you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. wait, that escalated quickly. Yeah. So. I mean, what were your thoughts on the spot as a, as a general rule of thumb? Just out of curiosity. As a general rule of thumb, mm-hmm. as a, as a general idea, I think I got what he meant. But uh, yeah. so, your thoughts on the spot? Spot was spot was spot was spot was spot. <laughs> it was definitely spot. I don't know a ton about spot. Um, he's one of the the few characters that I don't know a ton about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know that he's always been kind of a joke. So seeing him. Uh, kind of like first showing him like be like a joke as he was at the earlier parts of the movie uh, and then uh, realizing that he he has the ability to traverse <clears throat> dimensional planes uh, and then being like okay well I'm gonna need a lot more like 
dark matter stuff, whatever he needed to, he needed to get those dimensional fluids into him. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's really, uh, when watching the movie, it reminded me that sometimes one of the scariest villains out there can be somebody that was like a goofball and then given like insurmountable power Mm -hmm. and like absolutely I guess would be considered to be unstoppable, but we're going to find out in the next movie. I'm sure they're going to stop him and find a way to do it. Yes. So um, he presented himself and like turned very, very scary there at the end. Um, We're going to have to wait and see what happens with him later. Right, right. Definitely so. Definitely so. Uh, Another question I'm going to ask as it relates to the movie is, what y'all think of the idea of them telling the story from Gwen's perspective? I thought it was good. I mean, they started the film with that. That was the prologue. And then the rest of the film was definitely from Miles' perspective with minor shifts over to Gwen. Yeah, it was just like the opening that was mostly Gwen's perspective, and then the rest was completely Miles' perspective. I believe you mean Gwanda. Excuse me, Gwanda. Yeah, as that universe knows her as 1610. Gwanda, yep. Gwanda, the friend of uh, Miles that, that that left along with the rest of the friends. Um, I, 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 I'm glad they did her origin story. I think it's interesting that they that uh, I I heard an interview. It was Haley Seinfeld, Shamik Moore, and some other people, plus the writer of the film. And one of the things they talked about was the color choices in the background. That mm-hmm. it had to do with um, being a mood ring. And so whenever they did the colors, like moods would change based on what would happen. For example, you know, when her father comes in and he tries to hug her at one point, you know, he hugs her and the area where he hugs her becomes like pinkish yellow to basically express happiness. You know, so stuff changes periodically. And then, of course, you know, she had the Trans Lives Matter uh, poster. And, of course, I think Captain Stacy had a Trans Lives Matter on his um, uniform. And so then everybody's like, oh, well, Gwen Stacy must be trans then. And it's like, no, they can be allies and not necessarily be trans. Neither one of them have to be trans to be allies to trans people. But Twitter took that and was just like, Gwen Stacy must be trans. Gwen Stacy has to be trans. Gwen Stacy has to be trans. I'm like, no, she just can be oh, an ally. Oh, no. Twitter got mad about something again. You know. Oh, no. What are we going to do? If Twitter gets mad, something bad will happen. Oh no! I'm squishing my face where you can't see yeah. it. <laughs> we hope that the, that it's properly conveyed that he's squishing his face. But uh, I, I love the idea of stuff changing as the emotions change. Of course, um, her telling her story and even meeting, for example, of course, the what y'all think of that really different uh, Da Vinci version of uh, Vulture? I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I really <clears throat> thought was really, really cool about this movie is that um, some of the different characters from the different universes kind of really kept a hard art style with them, yeah. even like around the edges of them. Yeah. They look like they were literally cut out of a newspaper and pasted into the movie. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, which I thought was a very, very cool 
visual design yeah. like really makes him stand out. They could have just had like just a, a you know 3D model like you can. T- so the way that these movies are animated is that they're all 3D, but with like 2D effects put put over them. It's crazy. Um, they tried to do that in uh, the Chip and Dale movie, and it was trash garbage. It was didn't not work. great. Um, they, they didn't try hard enough. No, this movie shows this is how you do it. Right. Yeah. And uh, the same with uh, Hobie, uh, Spider Punk, like. He looks like he was snipped out of a newspaper and put into. Yeah, I love the fact that Hobie says, "I don't like uniformity," and then you notice every few seconds his design stance is changing. Sometimes he's in black and white. Sometimes there's parts of him in black and white. Sometimes there's he's just in gray tones. Sometimes he's in sepia tones. Sometimes he's in full color. Sometimes he has crazy like British colors behind him as he's doing things. I mean, the animation was just top notch. It was gorgeous. Yeah, and in Hobie's case, they like they're for very specific people. Their animation styles were very indicative of like the world that they came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man looked like a cartoon, like fully cartoon, and not like Spider-Ham did in the first movie, who was a three D representation of a cartoon and moved and, and squashed and stretched very classic uh, Looney Tunes style animation but it's spectacular spider-man in this movie is like you look like a a drawn element you look like a a 2d animation yeah now i'm fairly certain they still decided to do the 3d route but because they're smart and are able to pull it off it still looks like a 2d thing and some characters animated more smoothly than others um and but yeah the going back to the vulture thing like it looked, he looked like he was uh, like charcoal sketches in like a 3D space. He literally looked like he did not belong. Um, if you're not ready for it, it's going to melt your brain. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely and, looked like an old school Leonardo da Vinci sketch page of stuff. And I like the idea that he was using hammer space. which when you mentioned Spider-Ham, Spider-Ham was real interesting because that's what Spider-Ham uses. In order to yeah, bring spiders thing. and stuff like that for it. So I thought that was really cool that Miguel was like, he, Dad, come in, he has spider, he has a, a hammer space tech. Because like he, his, what, one of his wings get ripped off at one point. All of a sudden he just pops out a new wing to replace it. Yep. I was like, that's dope though. It is. Um, and I'm glad that uh, they explained what hammer space is mm-hmm. in the like editor's notes. I, I appreciated editor's notes and other visual things when they went to different worlds they showed a different style of writing to really represent that's the world that you're in right now yep um it was very cool in that sense and um the uh vulture was a really great kind of visual example for that okay so any other thoughts on the vulture i don't want to no, out. not on the vulture. I don't know if Spider has anything to say. Well, I mean, I'll be honest, just stopping and pointing out like, like, yo, what are your thoughts on the vulture? I mean, it's clear that it was visually stunning to like just to behold. Uh, I feel like that's a little too small on the scope of the film. The entire film was the biggest visual feast I've experienced in a long time. Oh, you're definitely, yeah. Film. And it's, it's 
Yeah, like, like, Vulture is small potatoes. <laughs> the, it, honestly, compared to everything else that we saw. Because the true question is, what did you think about the differing art styles that yes. were represented in the film? So then maybe That's that should be the question. Art. So what did you think about the different arts, the unique art styles in the film? I'm, I'm pretty ba, ba, sure I've ba, said it ba, already. Ba. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jingles, Jingles... Like, Listen, yeah. I'm an artist. Smiter only knows how to write. He only knows words. He doesn't understand. He can appreciate visuals. art styles. I can tell you this for sure. No, I don't know what art is. So, um, I, I want to know this. what art is. I want let's, you to show let's back me. It up. Let's back it up so that I can address um, that, big, that bigger question. Mm. So, uh, the, uh, Jingles... By pointing out how each character, each Spider-Man, there are at least the ones that we really spend time with, all of their art styles are, um, and their their individual character designs are indicative of the world that they come from. What I love about that is that that's just and that's just a super smart, super well thought out carryover from the first movie. Everything about this movie feels like things that were praised about in the first film were extrapolated out to their next logical conclusion. And that's where we got the we'll call him Indian Spider-Man. That's where we got Spider-Punk's look. Like, all of these, yes, they are all surprising and shocking on how good they look sharing the same space. But what's kind of quaint about the first film, looking back on it now, is we got that with Spider-Ham. And the craziest one out of the entire group was Spider-Man Noir. And, and I mean, everybody pointed out like how weird he looks from everybody else. And yeah, it's cool that the characters do that so that the audience can share in on the joke. But nobody points that out in this film because now we've established that that's a thing that happens in the first film. And now with more of this, all they need to do now is just crank up the dial. And boy, did they. Yeah. Mm. Even Gwen's, even Gwen Stacy's world, her home, even though it shares a lot of DNA with Miles's world, there are times when the color theory is allowed to be much more abstract and expressive. And then that's where you get all of those crazy colors with the mood and how it changes... The, the craziest part about it is how it's changing from shot to shot to shot. And it's blowing my mind the entire time. And the entire time, it feels like they are still dancing that very, very thin line of too much and just enough to get the story across. Uh-huh. And I think it's all managing to be anchored by a much more intimate story about friendship and finding your place in the world and how Miles is going to stand up for himself and understand that he has a place 
amongst the many other spider people across the multiverse. Uh-huh. It's incredible. Like I don't, I don't feel like I could really say enough about the entire visuals of the film. Definitely so, definitely so. I mean, I think one of the coolest parts is like just little things like okay, Gwen starts off wearing the ballet shoes. Once she has joined the Spider Verse team, she's wearing Chuck Taylors, and she even says that she got it from Hobie, who's like a mentor to her. You know, and so I think it's really cool that they kind of play that off as, you know, he he was looking out for her and probably was just like, these shoes might be better for what you're doing, you know, as a mentor. So I thought that was cool. It was uh, Jessica that was like a mentor to her. Yeah, but that was true. But what I'm saying is there's also points where she's talking about how they hang out and he was teaching her things. And Miles was thinking that they were like dating or something. And yes, Jessica was the direct mentor, but I think she was getting a lot of mentorship from Hobie as well. Now I'm just telling you what I, she I, said. I, I understand that she also said she was learning a lot from Hobie, so that's something she was talking about when they were at the when they were at Miles's. She says she hangs out with Hobie and stays at his place sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, we go through there. And then another thing about that is besides the physical design stuff, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how I can get on the Miguel uh, Herrera um, workout plan. Miguel, so I can could, I could learn how to get buff like him because, like, I saw the end of the first movie and I was like, dude, he got swole between this first yep. movie and the second. And, uh, of course, Oscar Isaac just knocking it out of the park. Just the vocal stuff is just brilliant. I mean, he's just, you can tell, like, his character is just supposed to be somebody who's gone through a lot of loss. And him even talking about, for example, just the, because even when he's telling his backstory, the art style shifting between where he is versus what's happening, because he's talking about how he tried to get, go to a reality where his family was alive. But in doing that, it caused a break of a canon event. And so, because of that, that dimension was threatened because he wasn't there. He wasn't supposed to be there. And so, it's just interesting how that pain was there. Like, they, so much of the visual stuff they used, man, was so great in the storytelling as well. You know, you look at stuff like that. You look at stuff like multiple J. Jonah Jameson's and different dimensions from everything from the Legos to the different worlds and, and things like that. And just kind of J. Jonah Jameson even kind of doing the whole thing there. Um... I love the fact that when you saw Spider-99, he felt like the most dangerous version of them all. Even though he had mm-hmm. so many, like he had the he had the spider bite, which in the comics he they even talked about the fact that he he's different from most of the other Spider-Man and that he was a genetic modification where he was fused with a spider. So he got stuff from a spider because of that. Like he got a spider bite. He got the talons that spiders can use in order to grab onto stuff because some spiders don't have hair. Some of them have talons and they just got to prick surfaces to get where they're going. So I thought that was really cool that they did that with him. Um, And then another thing too, the number 42 was real pivotal because for example, the spider that bit Miles was from Earth 42. Uh, Miles, whenever he was with his family, you know, he's wearing a Brooklyn 42 jersey, which was the Brooklyn Dodgers jersey for 42, which would have been Jackie Robinson's number as well. And so I just thought that was really cool how they kept reminding you of 42. I didn't realize they were telling me that much about 42 until they did what they did near the end of the movie. And I was just like, they've been telling us this whole time this is what's going to happen. They just didn't make it 
obvious that they were telling us. Because the reason they kept bringing up 42. Um, one of the people in the theater when I went to go see it was just like, wait, who's the black chick? And it was like, she just said she's Jessica Drew. It's like, I didn't think Jessica Drew was black. And I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it, it has nothing to do with her character. Issa Rae was the person that got to do the voice, so they made her black because Issa Rae was doing the voice. There you go. That's all you need to know. Um, but then, of course, you know, Jonathan Owen being the person that brought the spider over and everything. It's, man, even down to the silly stuff, like, if you remember in the first movie how Peter B. Parker was about how he endorsed the Christmas album, he did all this stuff, and, like, you find out that Miles has hosted Jeopardy. <laughs> And like all the topics are spider-based topics. And then he endorsed the baby powder. And then he had to do a YouTube video basically apologizing for that. And then he had to apologize for the growing the mustache under the mask. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I'm sitting there going, like, how would a mustache work under a mask anyway? Did we move on from the art style? Thing? I kind of moved on I to think... I kind of moved on yeah, from that because he, I, 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 he, he lost the premise along the way. Well, I, I went there. I discussed it briefly. And then I went on to other stuff. So <laughs> it's just part of one long sentence. Yes. So uh, I did also enjoy the idea when Miles is going to go to the uh, meeting with the principal of the school, of the goddess counselor, how Genki is in the room playing the PS4 Spider-Man game, by the way, on the PS5, because the PS the controller looked like a PS5 controller. It didn't look like a PS4 controller. And Genki. In which case he was playing Spider-Man Remastered. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it had a different name on there, but okay. If it's on the PS5, it's the remastered. Ah, gotcha. But uh, Genki even says, I'm not your man in the chair, which, of course, is a reference to um, our friend over in the... the uh, as, as Miguel referred to it as, uh, as Dimension 199999. So... Where uh, that kid, Ned the doctor, Ned, the kid, the doctor, and so forth, and everything. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm gonna try to make talking points right now for it, and then we talked about the art style pretty much. Uh, I think the next thing I'm gonna ask for is what was your what was your favorite? Because I I really want to get into like the storytelling arcs of this because. There's so many great character arcs. And I know we're not done with the character arcs because we have a whole other movie next year, hopefully, that we'll be getting more of the character arcs that are going through. But who is your favorite character arc that you kind of loved following during the course of the movie? Hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting question. How about... I think out of everyone, Miles probably had the most dramatic arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, and then probably Gwen. At this point, I'm just recounting who actually had an arc. Yeah, yeah. because because Miguel an, arc, didn't. An, an arc suggests that there was some change that happened. Yeah, for them. that they changed as a character over time. Uh, I really liked seeing how Peter P. Peter B. Parker, mm-hmm. uh, how different he's feeling now, and how like. He's um, accepting his role as being a dad. And, you know, he doesn't look depressed. He looks like he's actually happy, which, of course, don't tell the comic writers that because (laughs) they'll go crazy and make, like, comic book Peter really sad again. 
and just torture him. Yeah, because they're not doing that right now in the comics. Not at all. Not at all. Nope. No commentary on the current situation in the comic books whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. Um, I'd say uh, seeing just how much better Peter B. Parker was doing and being in a loving relationship with his lovely wife and obviously I'm a big uh, spider girl stand so being seeing little babby mayday was like big for me mm-hmm. um, so I just thought that was really cool yeah um, I, I thought it was funny you mentioned the whole thing about that and I just love the idea that he gave her a little toy like spider shooter and then she also she also had the knitted hat with the spider uh, with the with the spider head, with the spider mask spider man mask a spider person mask so that way she pulls it down over her eyes whenever she's ready to do swinging spider they them spider spider it. baby spider baby makes all your dreams come true we get it it was a spider person. <laughs> But, uh, by God, by God, by God, if God is my witness, he's broken uh, in half. <clears throat> I, cause I really feel like this movie itself was just mostly establishing, um, what, what, how everybody's doing right now. And then when the third movie comes out, it's going to then finish off a bunch of the arcs where people are going to start, they're going to find like an understanding or whatever. I guess, um, the big thing was also Gwen um, first was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a part of this uh, multiversal team. I can't talk to my dad because he's, he's like mad at me for some reason. <laughs> he's mad at me because he thinks that I killed Peter. Okay. Well, you cool. said the quiet that part out loud. So what, we'll cool, go, we'll go bulldog right over that <laughs> joke. Um, and so she was like, I can't go home. Um, and kind of accepting the fact that uh, a police captain has to die, which is hilarious. To me. <laughs> um, like that's that's a universal constant, even though no, it's not. <laughs> but sure, you I guess Miguel knows better than I do. Die. Miguel hasn't read all the comics I have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. But it's all like, no, no, it's cool. He hasn't read all the comics that I have. Yeah, he doesn't get it. Okay, like- he doesn't know that some universes are fine. Anytime that a universal constant is introduced in any of these films, multiverse of madness, Spider Verse. Anything else, anytime that they introduce a multiversal concept, there's always some exception to that. Yes. Yep. But it makes good storytelling. It does. Yeah. Now, if this was if this was a short story that got written, if this was just a standalone book that was introducing that and had that dilemma in the story and there was no other expanded lore, you'd probably have the audience more on the edge of their seat. Yeah. But this is massive amounts of retold stories with new interpretations, not even including the what ifs. Yeah. Then it's it is kind of funnier that that's only really a problem with big stories like this, the stories that have been told over and over and over again. Yeah. And so um, I guess Gwen finally being all like, okay. Um, 
that some things can change and it's okay. Um, yeah. So that just, just she figured that out. And even like Indian Spider-Man is going to be probably totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if his girlfriend's dad didn't get horribly murdered yep. in a uh, freak bridge accident. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's probably going to be fine. And like, the it's i think it's interesting how miguel is so like focused so hard on keeping the canon straight even though in the comics miguel has time traveled a lot and changed a bunch of different stuff but it's whatever you know whatever man this is a spider-verse version of uh, miguel o'hara it's it's whatever okay i I love that we were both thinking about charlie yeah we got to do the charlie yeah when they do that um and so I, I feel like I guess Gwen had kind of a a revelation for herself and kind of was like, oh, you know what? I love my dad and mm-hmm. I want to uh, be supportive of him. Yeah. And, and I think what really opened up her eyes for the sake of a plot is that her dad was all like, no, I quit. So like that's that's enough to let her know in concrete evidence Nothing set in stone. That could absolutely change the fate of people involved. Yeah, and I mean, oh, there's a song in the soundtrack. I heard it at least in the trailer. I'm sure it's... It, I didn't hear it in the in this uh, part of the movie, but I'm sure we might hear it in the next part, which is... And I don't know who does the song. I know that uh, there's a guy... As a matter of fact, he gets a voiceover in one of the parts, which is one of my funniest voiceovers in the whole thing. Uh, but anyway, Metro Boomin has a song, I think it's on the soundtrack, called I Do the Impossible. And it's kind of the idea when Gwen says, you know, it, it could be possible. Miles has shown me that anything is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if the idea is that if Miles can save, for example, his dad and his family, that maybe the, maybe the death of his uncle was enough for him you know, like, you know, that's that's the triggering event that got him down the road, but he didn't need the death of his father, the chief police chief, in order to to continue down the road he's on, and it doesn't mess with his stuff. But, of course, Miguel's going to have to see that on its own at some point. Um, what did you guys think of the crazy, like, chase scenes for Spider-Man? How did you, what did you think about that? Oh my goodness! Again, it's a visual feast across the board. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, what is there that can't be said about it? It was very well done. I mean, it's it's to be expected on how well the previous movie did with its chase scenes with only like two people. Right. Yeah. So you got a chase scene with like hundreds of spider peeps in it. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool showing off like different spider people. I was wojacking the whole time, <laughs> pointing at the screen, going "whoa!" <laughs> I was just pointing them out, and Spider is all like, "Yeah, I, I believe that's that one. I believe that's the one that I saw. The Spider Man that yeah. is a thing." Hey, I was I feel good about just one, and that is I was able to point out. Play the PS4 Spider-Man, the Insomniac Spider-Man. Yeah, yep. there are a few of those versions of this uh, stuff from PS4 in there. What? The different skins, I mean. 
Oh. Well, that's because those skins are based off of other universes. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that there are a few of them. I, was, yeah. Yeah. I just realized what the line of logic was in there. It was like, oh, wow, look. Look at well, all those like, the movie skins. Did, like, look, the movie included all these skins from the game. It's no, no the, the game, game included included the, the, from the same from air, the comics from the comics. <laughs> and yes, they did. Even Bombastic Bagman had a little little section. Uh, you know, Bombastic Bagman was dope because I thought it was funny. They kept the old uh, old uh, Jack Kirby coloration bubbles. Whenever he turned the bag around on his face, and it, it kept the bubbles as he turned the bag around. I thought that was funny. Uh, also, mm-hmm. by the way, before we get into the chase, I should have thought about this for the chase. I kind of, my brain, as I love this show and love this movie, there are moments where it stuff gets out of order for me. Donald Glover from the MCU as Aaron Davis in the Prowler outfit. Uh, I'm just going to say it might not be specifically Donald Glover from the MCU. Uh, I think it's just Donald Glover as the Prowler. We don't really know from which universe he's from because we never saw him in a suit. And he was dressed very similarly to how uh, the animated version of the Prowler looked in Miles' universe. And to kind of suggest that because that one's kind of unique to uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that particular look for the prowler which they then replicated for the other versions of the prowler that we see in the movie but prowler doesn't quite look like that all the time in his different iterations so um we like i said we don't actually know from which version but they because donald glover like donald glover and spider-man have been like intertwined for a very long time because let's not forget um on the TV, on Into the Spider-Verse, on Uncle Aaron's TV, the, he was watching clips of Community where he was with dressed as, Donald Glover. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Donald Glover dressed as Spider-Man. Right. But the reason, so, yeah, but the reason I'm saying from uh, MCU is because the version of... Uh, no, I know why you're saying it. Yeah, because he was Aaron Davis in the actual MCU version where Tom Holland Spider-Man webs him to the car. And there is a deleted scene from that where he calls Miles and says, Miles, man, I'm not going to make it. You know, I'm kind of tied yeah. up right now. And so that's right, what I'm thinking. Right. It's very, it's possible it could be from the MCU because we've already well, established it. Well, sure, it's it. possible, but I'm, I'm just letting you know that that's not set in stone. Because we've never seen him in a Prowler uniform. Or if we even are going to see uh, him in a future Spider-Man project, we don't know yet. Yeah, true, true, true. But It's and, more like a, a reference to Donald Glover and him uh, having been Aaron Davis before. But I don't mm. think it's specifically from the MCU. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, st- I stand by. Look, man, show dimension number or, or nothing at or, all, or it doesn't exist, or it doesn't exist. Show dimension number, or it doesn't and exist. I, and I'm also, it's I'm, like pics, or it didn't happen. I'm looking at the cast of characters on the the wiki right now, and uh, all it just says is, uh, um, Donald Glover as Aaron Davis slash the Prowler, um, but it doesn't specify from which universe he's from. Whereas a bunch of other Spider-Men, it specifies what their universe number is. I thought it was funny that we had a miss, 
Miss Stereo is one of the options that was in the jail. And then also the Moose Stereo from the the Peter Porker universe. Right. So I thought that was funny. What was your favorite version that was in uh, in one of the cells? Oh, definitely Donald Glover as the Prowler. That was my favorite one. Yep. I think that's the one we could probably most easily recognize. Okay. Mm. All right. So we went to the chase scene. We kind of talked about the dopeness of it. I love the fact that when Miles and uh, Miguel are talking at one point, he's all like, you know, you, you know, you, you're, you're just a kid. You're just, you know, basically telling him everything, telling him what his mother told him to warn it, warned him against when she said, protect that little boy that's in there. You know, that when times where people tell you you don't belong or there's the times where they tell you you don't fit in, protect that little boy that I believe in that fits in anywhere and knows that he's loved. And when Miles jumps off the thing and he's like, well, I did manage to get a whole group of spider people chasing after me here so I could go go back to the base or whatever. And he jumps off the train and heads back to the base. And I was just like, and then Peter B. Parker's like, yeah. I said, I didn't, I said, I, I, I mean, I think I taught him that. I'm not sure if I taught him that or not, but if he, whoever he learned it from, it's better, you know, we aren't horrible seizures type thing, which I thought was funny. And then even Spider-Bite trying to figure out what's going on, which I love Spider-Bite. I need to go see if I can find where Spider-Bite's been in books because I didn't realize that was a character for real. But apparently she's been in some of the They're Spider-Verse stuff. They're all characters for real. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, Spider-Bite's cool. I see. And I love the fact that it's like, she basically, it, it feels like kind of a Ready Player One. We're all in different video games and whatever and all that. So I thought that was cool. And somebody was like, yeah, that's the PlayStation thing that they just announced for this system or whatever. And I was like, well, either way, I mean, Sony's going to put their stuff in it. Of course they are. You know, because it's Sony. Why wouldn't they? Uh, well, she's from uh, a Spider Geddon tie-in, so it has to do with Spider Geddon. I don't think she has her own uh, standalone. Yeah, I don't think she. I, story. I, I, yeah, I'll have to go look at the Spider Geddon stuff then and find her. Guys, it's like, oh, this this looks like a cool concept, the video game version where it's an avatar as opposed to a regular person. But anyway, so yeah, it, 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 and another thing I thought was interesting too, and it didn't hit me in the first movie like this. I didn't realize that when Spider-Man goes invisible, he doesn't attract spider senses. Like he doesn't, like he himself doesn't trigger the spider sense as long as he's invisible. But like if he's touching buttons and stuff and stuff and making sound, that can trigger the spider sense. But like he himself doesn't trigger it. Because when he was mm-hmm. in front of Gwen at one point, her spider sense didn't trigger. When he was at almost near Spider-Bite, hers didn't trigger until he heard the th- she heard the thing fall. And that's what triggered it. And so like I love the fact that Miles being invisible doesn't, trigger off like there like he's even invisible to the spider sense which i thought that was really cool it didn't it didn't register to me that that was the case until that move this movie mm-hmm. and so then he ends up going back to the world that he feels like is his world kind of looks like his world yeah the colors are different it's raining but kind of feels like it's his world goes back and tells his mama hey i'm spider-man and it should have tipped me off when she said who's spider-man she had no idea who Spider-Man was. I was like, wait a minute. I knew immediately that he didn't go back to his rightful universe. Oh, dude. It was I called cool it to watch, actually. It was actually super cool to sit next to Jingles, and he was all like, and he immediately was piecing it together. It's all like, he went back to the wrong universe. Yep. Yeah. Because uh, they, they the machine scanned his DNA, and it said Earth-42. And I was all like, that's not his world. <laughs> 
Yep. Yeah, see, I didn't yep. see that. I missed the thing where it said the world. And so I think that's part of the reason why it didn't immediately hit to me. And so it wasn't. I was t- not fooled. Yep. And as soon as it re, as soon as it reestablished that Gwen was at uh, Earth sixteen ten, I the, as soon as that showed up, I was like, Ah, it's coming together for me now. Because yeah. now I remember his designation. Yeah. And it made perfect sense. And uh, hats off to Jingles for catching all of that right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyway, so he goes in, you know, and of course the spot, meanwhile, is in his world, as he promised Miles earlier, he was gonna take everything away from him that he loved. So he's in his world and you know, I think that's interesting how that works because of course, you know, he's going, he tells his mom who he is, and then Uncle Aaron comes walking through the door. He's like, wait a minute, you know, got it. It's like, Uncle Aaron, he goes up to hug him. And he's just like, and no, and another thing too was when mom said, what did you do to your hair? And I was like, his hair should always have been like that. And then I think by the time Gwen is telling the family on his world what's going on and everything, that's what I'm like, something ain't right. <laughs> something ain't right up in here. <laughs> Something is not right. Because if she's there and Miles isn't, then where's Miles? Because <laughs> Miles should be there too, but Miles isn't there. And so then whenever the whole thing goes, like it, it went very um it went very dark very quick. Even to the point where he's like being tied up to the bag. Kinda like he tied Peter B. Jordan Peter B. Jordan. Peter B. <laughs> Parker tied him up to the boxing bag. Uh, in Enter the Spider-Verse. And then he was tied up to the boxing bag. And, of course, you know, uh, Aaron hits the bag. And, like, the Technicolor, he knocks the Technicolor out of the bag, so to speak, as it goes through. He's all like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be the Prowler. He's like, I'm not the Prowler. And then when I saw the Prowler, I was like, what if that's Miles? And then I remember there's a brief picture whenever um, the spot was inside of Miles' head. And Miles saw his backstory. And he was talking about how the spider was supposed to bite somebody on Earth-42. But because he brought it to this world, it bit you instead. And then you look over and you see the guy with the dreads. Or not the dreads, but I tell him the two dreads on the side. And I was like, wait a minute. What if the spider on Earth-42 was supposed to bite the Miles that was here? And he was supposed to be Spider-Man. But because he brought that spider over... And then I remembered watching, I don't went back and popped in the Blu-ray of the of the, 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 the Spider-Verse. I was like, that spider's glitching. Why is that spider glitching? Oh, he doesn't belong in this world. You know, that's why he was glitching before he bit Miles. That's crazy. Because I don't know why I didn't catch that at first. And so then, you know, basically th- that version of Miles becomes the Prowler. And so it ends with like, our miles tied up, trying to shock the chain, so to speak. And I hope we get a moment where he does what Peter B. Parker did in the first movie, where he's all like, don't watch the mouth move, homie. Always watch the hands. And he like thunder shocks the chain. He has, he has to say homie. He doesn't, it's have, not a good one. he doesn't have to say homie. Yep. I'm just I'm just do that in there. Aren't you glad that Miles in the movie? Listen here, was... homeboy. You should be watching my mouth, son. <laughs> Aren't you glad that in the movie, Miles took a couple opportunities to stunt in the air like a proper urban youth? Oh, yeah. With the swagger of an urban swagger. youth. With all the, there you go, all the swagger of an urban youth. 
Oh, that did that not go well. Never. It's going to get old. But at the same time, that <laughs> person should be punched in the face every time I think about it. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh yeah, it wa- I honestly still don't feel like it was malicious. It was just a really no, just poor dumb. choice of words. <laughs> I don't feel like it was malicious, but he still get punched in the face. <laughs> Maybe a light jab. I didn't say the punch had to be super hard. I didn't say Mike Tyson needed to punch him in the face. I just said he needed to be punched in the face. <laughs> Man. But anyway, so, yeah, uh, Metro Boomin, by the way, had the line in there where he was the black and white Spider-Man that hung above the others. When Miles was getting ready to try to run, he was like, hey, hey, there's no place to run. And then all of a sudden, Miles darted through and ran out the thing and ran over the one guy with the two webs in between the deals. He was like, sorry, guys, I guess there was a place to run. Yeah, <laughs> he jumped out the window. Yeah. Yeah. He jumped out the window. That was like, so, my bad, guys. But we, yeah, but we end up getting this, the band that Gwen was talking about at the beginning of the movie, about the band that she never could find a band that fit for her until now. And she has the band together. We've got Peter B. Parker with Mayday. We've got Spider-Ham, Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker, and uh, SPDR, um, Spider-Punk, and Spider-Man India. As this team, and basically, it felt. And the reason I said it felt like it, the story was from her perspective was because it felt like she's basically telling the people that are on the team that she's recruiting what's happening. And so you feel like the whole story is kind of her telling this story, replaying it, but then we're getting to see it from different arenas while she's telling the story. And then at the end of the story, she comes back and says, So now you understand why we got to do this. Now we got to go and save him. You know, we got to go to his world and get him out of there and bring him back to his world so he can save the world or whatever because he taught me that nothing is impossible. So you in? And at that moment, it did the to be continued thing. And a bunch of people in my theater flipped out. They were like, wait, that's it? That's over? And somebody yelled across like, there's a second movie coming next year, guys. And they were like... There's a third movie coming next year. A second... uh, Well, yeah, but a second movie is not sequel to this movie. (laughs) <laughs> still wrong still, still, her, still third movie I get that but they were saying I'm telling you what they said I'm not saying what they said was accurate I'm just saying what they said I get what he meant <laughs> I say what you're saying and I'm saying that that's not what's being said oh, you hear what I'm saying you know what I'm saying anyway so you know yeah, it's, a, it's a third it's a third movie that's an Afro Samurai reference for y'all if anybody watched Afro Samurai nice. you know uh, but anyway, and that, and I will counter your Afro Samurai. I will match your Afro Samurai reference with a South Park reference. Yes, I know what you are saying. <laughs> so basically, the team goes in, and that's how they go. Um, I I love this movie. Like I cried, I smiled, I laughed a bunch. Um, just I was surprised a bunch. Like, it was great overall. I mean, 10 out of 10 would right. watch it again. Right. At least five or six times. Oh, I, they, they are going to get so much longevity out of this film. And I'm definitely buying it when it comes out for purchase. Like, it's going to go right beside Enter the Spider-Verse for me. Mm-hmm. But not the third one. Not the third no. one. No, it's not the third one. Beyond the Spider-Verse. Beyond the Spider-Verse will be the next one in the series. They've already confirmed so many things outside of this, guys. Like, they've already talked about the fact that, yes, we are getting a live-action Miles Morales movie at some point. They talked about that we're going to get another animated Gwen 
possible spinoff from this movie once this is done. Um, as well as, uh, I'm guessing just other stuff, I'm sure there'll be spinoffs from that. And I'm just like, when did they, uh, when did they announce so, that? So let me go back and pull it up there. I, it, was, it was on Variety a couple of days ago. They announced it. Let me get the date. Because I was, I was doing the research for the main information on the movie, but I did not get the date of that information when it was put out there. So, but anyway, here's a question I'm going to ask while I'm doing this research real quick. Um, what, how do you top this movie in the sequel? If oh, you, it's very if easy. If you had some ideas on how to top this, what would you what would you suggest, sir? While I'm researching, oh, for it's so easy, so easy, it's so easy. The easiest way to top it is to tie up the end of the story. Oh, radical! That's a radical. Because thought. this is my only complaint about this film. <laughs> only complaint, and it's it's not it the movie's fault. It's really the producer's fault for this. Mm. Is that it, not a, not Arvi's fault? No, it's definitely Avi Arad's fault because everything's Avi. Anything that I don't like, it's Avi Arad's fault. I don't care. Anything that you do like is the director's fault. <laughs> right. Well, I can I can still give Avi some the props sometimes. Yeah, he's to. the reason why the X Men cartoon and the Spider Man cartoon in the nineties came out. So that's right. Yep. You know, I got to give him props for that at least. I'm not a total hater. My one complaint about this film is that it needed to be part of a trilogy. And that, see, Enter the Spider-Verse is a better movie in my eyes for the reason because it's a self-contained story. And then at the end, they have a little bit of a tease, just a little tickle, that maybe there might be more. And if there wasn't, it's fine. It, it was going to be like a 10 out of 10 movie regardless. This movie, they they have already planned it out. It's going to it. It's is they're turning the series into a trilogy, and as such, it needs to leave things open so that we get uh, the rest of the the films um, at the end, and then all of those loose ends will be tied up over there. Mm -hmm. I've already a few times on this podcast have complained about. You know, the setting up of things later. Mm -hmm. um, the Mandalorian the, as an entire series was really super good, but they kept needing to have little hints here and there of other stuff, of other shows. There's like, oh, you want to know what goes on with that? Go watch that stuff. We're not going to tie that up here. And that's really frustrating, which is why I think the Visions show, the both season one and season two Star Wars Visions, is better for me. Because they're all self-contained stories that wrap themselves up. Mm -hmm. And across the Spider-Verse, like, the, literally my only complaint, because this movie is also, would have been a 10 out of 10 in my eyes. I can only give it a 9 out of 10 because it has to not fulfill itself by the end of the film. It has to leave stuff available and tease us for the next film. Now... I'm sure if I were to judge across the Spider-Verse and beyond the Spider-Verse as one movie, it would be a lot better in my eyes. But for right now, we got half a movie. And half a movie at two hours and 20 minutes. It's pretty intense. It's a pretty long half of a movie. Yeah. But it's not a finished product yet. And so 
just the fact that it leaves us like that where we have to come back that's that's a major annoyance to me um but if we were just talking about the movie just on itself and um if we completely ignore the fact that there are stuff that just were not tied up at the end it's still a very very good very solid movie but it's going to have to be discussed um later at a, at a, after Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out. I actually really like that you brought up about how self-contained the first film is. Because it's obvious at this point that they retroactively decided to turn this into a trilogy. Which is not a bad thing on the surface. It's obvious because the first one made a ton of money. And it was super successful and a critical darling. So why wouldn't you, right? Now, what I actually really like about this one, about this trilogy that's manifesting so far, is that there aren't starting from scratch and then blowing out into where they're going to go next. Everything that felt like a narrative choice was still built off the backbone of what was established of into the Spider-Verse. So because of that, it still feels like there's more connective tissue than there would be for, let's say, the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. That first trilogy mm-hmm. before they made more movies after that. Because I remember I remember actually feel when I first watched that and we got to I believe it was Dead Man's Chest, the second film. Because World's End was the yes, third one, right? That's correct. So Dead Man's Chest, at the end of that one, when we got an incomplete story and a tease for the third film, I remember actually feeling kind of cheated because I felt like I wanted a complete story by that point. And I remember seeing the early advertising for this film for Across the Spider-Verse and how it was originally written as Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. And I guess that sort of got my expectations prepared for a loose end to the film. And I saw it as something that I could at least expect and look forward to, and look forward to seeing how it's going to turn out. Because... They're like one, probably the greatest film trilogy of all time. The Lord of the Rings trilogy has those loose ends until we get to the return of the King where everything wraps up. I, I'm actually interested uh, in your perspective, bro, about, I, I like, I, I agree with you talking about how, annoying those loose leaving those loose threads and those loose ends Mm -hmm. and trying to connect too many things yeah outside of the core story can be really annoying and but i also know that you love lord of the rings and how tight of a trilogy that is right and i i'm i'm curious as to what you feel like you feel like you can deal with with 
this Spider-Verse trilogy because obviously we won't know for sure how good the final one is until it comes out, it's which gonna, is probably going to be great. It's going to be 10 out of 10. Let's, it's gonna let's be 10 just, out I'm going to put that out right now. It's going to be 10 out of 10. But um, I also know that with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, they have loose ends and the connected tissue one leading into another, which mm-hmm. of course makes it one gorgeous tapestry of a trilogy. And I just want to know um, your, I don't, I guess it would be line mm-hmm. of, of where you feel like I like it when they do this, but I feel like it's counter to the story when they do this. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's an excellent question. And I'm glad that you asked that. Uh, and I see you and I feel you. <laughs> you see me, you receive me. I receive you. Um, so the big thing, and it's a major difference uh, between them, is that it is is the intent behind it. Oh yeah. So okay. when Spider Man Into the Spider Verse came out, it was written to be a standalone film, and it was like, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if it's good, maybe we'll make more. You know, um, and then it turned out to be the best Spider Man movie ever made. And then they're like, well, we have to make more because we're Sony and we want more money. Uh, and so they made they, they already decided that they're going to make two more and turn it into a trilogy instead of just like a duology or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with Lord of the Rings, the intent behind it was all like the, the great uh, Professor Tolkien his plan was these are going to be three books and these three books are going to, it's going to be three books. And so you, you know that ahead of time as the books are released. Now we we're living in hindsight here yeah. where like the books have been out for like 60 odd years or whatever, yeah, yeah. 60, 70 odd years. I don't know the exact number, um, but we get the entire trilogy and it's all wrapped up as a trilogy yeah. series. Um, and as such, when um, the movies were announced um, that they were going to make movies out of the trilogy of books, we know, okay, well, we're going to get all three separate films. We know a trilogy is going to happen. And their intent in making those films make it a trilogy. And so we know to expect like that loose ends in this, like it's going to lead into this and then lead into this. And it's all one self-contained story. And so it, it was just that what annoys me is the fact that um, I would have been fine with just two films mm-hmm. in this series and just had it like wrap up and then wrap up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're insisting on making three. Mm-hmm. And uh, as such, the first one is a perfect self-contained by itself film. Yeah. And then the other two are going to have to rely on each other to be a total complete story. That's a pretty good point. Yeah. And that's that's the major difference the for me. There, yeah. And I mean, like the original Star Wars trilogy as well, kind of had that same thing to it. Yeah, where like the first movie, it was that was just going to be it, just that Star was Wars. Pretty cut and dry. That was pretty cut right. and dry, and then it turned out to be the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> And so um, then George Lucas had plans ahead of time already. Like yeah. he, he already knew, okay, well, I, I have it all set out already. This is what's going to happen. 
Um, and I have then more we're notebooks full of stuff. Movie. Yes, I had it all planned from the. I had it all planned from the beginning. <laughs> as he lied, <laughs> as naturally as he, he lied, as naturally as he breathed. Okay, um, well, are you gonna direct? Uh, and since you got it all figured out, dear, are you gonna direct Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> no, I'm gonna have my best friend do it. My best friend Erwin Kirshner to do it, and it was great, and it was perfect. Um, but even at the end of Empire Strikes Back, like there are still some loose ends, but the there was like a victory that happened there yeah. as well. Um, whereas at the end of uh, Across the Spider Verse. It's not a victory. Mm. It's we're still kind of in that defeat mode. Yeah. You know how there's the story structure of like the beginning and then the heroes and then there's like a defeat that happens and then the heroes come back and then yeah. win. There's yeah. always like that that As happens. People, the, the the all is lost moment. Yeah. And, and and I feel like people kind of throw that around a little bit too much. Right. But you get you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's absolutely. Like, we are currently the end of Across the Spider Verse leaves us at the all is lost moment. Yes, without with just a little bit of hope. With a little bit of like maybe things will get better, right? Yeah, it's yep. interesting because the you, you kind of pointed out that uh, Empire Strikes Back ends on a very similar note. Mm-hmm. With uh, I mean, Luke gets bodied by Vader, mm-hmm. and then we have. A little bit of hope, and it's clear that the the rebels are starting to come together. Right. But we don't and know. It, it, at the end of Empire, also, it, it it doesn't quite have the same like all is lost moment. That's that's we're already like on the recovery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Whereas at the end of Across the Spider Verse, we're still at like we need to figure stuff out. Things are bad right now. Oh, we need yeah. to fix it right now. But we can't until you watch Beyond the Spider-Verse. Have a little fun getting teased for a year and a half. I kind of like how you describe that, though, because it's almost like the all... Imagine these two lines of these two narratives right next to each other, and somebody just took the all is lost moment and just moved the slider a little bit Mm -hmm. farther back for Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. A little bit earlier in the story, and... Across the Spider Verse, takes that and then just scooches it a little bit farther down the line. Right. It would be like if we ended Empire with Luke hanging on the antenna underneath Cloud City. Ah. And he's like calling out to Leia, and Leia's like, I feel him. And then yeah. the movie ends. Yeah. Instead of them flying under, catching him and taking him out of there, flying out, giving him his new hand yeah. and showing him like together, holding each other, like, we're going to find Han, we're going to do this. That's, we're back onto the rising action okay. again. I like that. I, I, I like that I, as a descriptor. I, I, I think I can move the slider a little bit differently. Uh, he drops down a thing, falls out of a hole, it goes to black. You don't see him yeah, hanging on the deal. Even worse, yeah, but, yeah. But actually. but I, I don't I don't actually think that that's where across the Spider Verse left off. Yeah, where where he's he's still in a precarious position. Right. But we know that he's not dying. Right. Yeah. And in fact, he might figure his way on out of here. Yeah. yeah. That's why I I yeah. my example. Fair enough. Has Fair enough. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Compared to like let's say avatar the last airbender at the end of the book of earth is a very very low note yeah that's an yeah. incredibly like, no, low that's note. the biggest like it ends on a loss isn't that the one where it's like he loses the connection to all the other avatars and it just ends pretty much there it ends with yes uh 
Azula winning, the Ang just barely being brought back to life, and Bossing Se has fallen. And Bossing Se has, has fallen. fallen. Yep, like the biggest L of the entire, the series. hugest L of the entire series, and that's where it. And, it and they had to hold right. that L. Yep. And we the, the the they demanded that the audience hold that L for a year. Yeah, right. right. Which is <laughs> effectively what Across the Spider Verse is yeah, doing with us right yeah. now. And I like and I like that the that you bring up all of that as connective tissue. Yeah, and it's the and it it's the fact that the connective tissue all of that wasn't part of the larger design. At the beginning, just to bring it all back. It was not, that was not what the plan was when Enter the Spider-Verse first came out. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I think that, I I think it's cool that um, there are different takes on that sort of structure of story. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree that it is kind of annoying that the story is incomplete yes and i think that uh i i also agree that if you're gonna try to do that the pie in the sky hope because it is it is crazy how much goes into just making a movie let alone let alone a big budget animated film mm-hmm. and pie in the sky Good luck ever getting a trilogy of anything greenlit right from the get go. Like yeah. Lord of the Rings is an exception. It is an exception. And the, oh, and uh, George Lucas had some really cool things to say about Peter Jackson he getting did, it done. Yeah. It's really cool. I'll have yeah. to find that little quote and send it in the chat sometime. I'm Absolutely. also surprised but, that yeah. in that list of things you didn't mention Infinity War. Because Infinity War had a very well, similar it, ending as well. With it, uh, yes, what, it what, did. A year before we got to see Endgame. Right. That was also a duology. Yeah. That was also just a duology. Yeah. So it wasn't. It was literally one movie split into two. Well, at the end, there's a. It, it definitely leaves us on like a sour note. But if you're, if you really <laughs> look at it, uh. Infinity War is Thanos' story. That's true. And Thanos had his, like, all his lost moment. He had his defeated moment. And then he he had his victory. Then he had his victory. And then he retired. He got his happy ending. He had his happy ending. So So sweet. Like, for, if we're going from, like, hero story stuff. Yeah. This is Thanos' movie. Yeah. Thanos won. Yeah. He was finished. Yeah. Literally wiped his hands clean of the whole thing and was and did exactly what he said he was going to do and just going out and just uh, just watch over the universe. Yeah, and Endgame is then now the Avengers story yes. to kind of pick up the pieces after that. Yes. Basically, the Bulls uh, coming and- back from uh, the three-one deficit to come back and win the whole dang championship. Sure, we'll mm. go with that. Yeah, um, and. The the thing also, if we're still using the same analogy, yeah. in Across the Spider-Verse, none of the villains are in a good place. Like nobody right. nobody's good right now. Yeah. Every like Spot is still making plans to ruin Miles' life. Yeah. Um Miguel is looking for Miles. Yeah. Miguel and Ben 
and Jessica are looking for him. Well, we quickly got Ben out of that. Yeah, we, Ben was dealt with. It's fine. He'll be okay. <laughs> By the way, he's uh, off. He's a joke. Now. Andy Samberg oh, with the whole with the whole. Uh, I stare at the. What was it? I stare. I stare over the. I stare over the awning quietly in the best muscular pose I could get into. <laughs> Like, close angsty, enough. Perfect pose. Angsty, Perfect pose. Yeah, angsty, crazy comments about everything that he could possibly be. I was like, that's an interesting character choice. Oh, look at that. He's from the 90s. How sweet. <laughs> <laughs> My perfectly defined muscles. And I, as soon as he said that, I leaned over to Jingles and I was all like, perhaps too, overly defined? Too defined, maybe? But... um. Yeah, that's that's an, that's my issue with Across the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. uh, and so I can't give a, like the overall acting perfect, animation perfect, mm-hmm. music perfect, mm-hmm. a settings perfect, story perfect, but I cannot give it a ten out of ten. I can only give it a nine out of ten because it's not a finished film. I like it. I like it. I could see a lot of the logic in it. Okay. Betcha, 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 betcha. Now, one thing I'm going to say, too, because you kind of mentioned it as well on that, is that there's a little bit of hope at the end because Gwen has assembled this rogue team of spider people to get together to find Miles. And it's interesting because part of the reason why she does that is something that Smider mentioned, which is hope. And that is inspired by Miles. Because when Mm -hmm. she goes back to her universe and sees her dad has made a decision to step away from being a cop and to step away from me to captain everything. It's like, wait, my universe is still here. If I can do it, and then this doesn't cause a major thing, maybe he can do it and change the situation and not cause a crazy situation to occur. So I thought that was really dope. But yeah, I love the fact that there's a little, there is a little bit of hope in it because of the fact that she's putting this team together and she's helping them to go find Miles so they can help save his world. Not just save his world, but save his family, possibly. So... It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I hate that. I think right now the release date for the Beyond the Spider-Verse is um, is March of next year. And so I did okay. see a review on the movie, and one of the things they did mention was Beyond the Spider-Verse. He said, I'm going out on a wild limb here. But, you know, the Beyonder was a roommate of Peter Parker's after the Secret Wars, the Secret Wars 2. So I wonder, you know, it, 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 somebody was just like, let's see how far out on this limb he goes. Let's see how far. Yeah, we'll watch him. Yeah, he's just saying, you know, that, that, that the Beyonder could be involved in the thing. And they, so wait, you saw a review for Beyond the Spider Verse? Is that from the future? Beyond, the, no, they're talking about for. It was it was a review of a, of across the Spider Verse, but they're talking about oh, okay. Beyond the Spider Verse. Right. And they were saying it would be interesting if maybe the Beyonder was involved, since we we're talking about the multiverse, and. You know, it's just like, that's a little bit much because I don't think we need to be yonder for this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. Although, you know, I can't say that watching Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, Lawrence Fishburne plus does play a very interesting version of the Beyonder. So that would be hilarious. But again, I don't know that I need that. In no, no, it's cool. I, it's not like I needed to know the spoilers for that, but that's okay. Spoilers to what? Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur has been out, been out close to a year. What about <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. Okay. Tell you what, you you get caught up on Clone Wars and Ninja Turtles, and then I'll watch Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. 
Oh, okay. So you're gonna make me watch something that's like several, several seasons worth of stuff for like a show that has like eight episodes. Sure, that sounds like a fair trade off. <laughs> sounds yeah. fair to me. I mean, we watched it. Why can't you? Yeah, <laughs> watch other stuff. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't know about that. So I greatly appreciate you guys coming on with me and talking about. Um, Across the Spider Verse, as we now oh, wait me, for a while. Before we move on, I'm gonna. I read the articles that you posted, yeah. my dear friend, yeah. my man, yeah. my main man. Yes, the main man. Talking about uh, this confirmation, quote unquote, of these movies that are gonna be coming out. Amy Pascal um, said they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, I love how he threw that out there. Amy Pascal said that they're coming. She's a producer. For sure. But Sony bosses, ten, Tim, Tom, Rothman, has not confirmed anything yet. That and has been incredibly cagey about that it. That doesn't mean it's not happening. So, <laughs> this means it's not happening yet. That also doesn't mean that it is happening. There you go. I'm just pointing out right now, that there's like, and, and also the other thing that you sent was all like, boy, I sure would like if. Maybe I could be in yeah, the live action thing. To the, they also referred to the Variety article I posted. So I'm not totally crazy. Right. I totally lose my mind. Just saying that I'm not saying that you're crazy. I'm just letting I'm letting the listeners know um, that nothing has been actually officially put out. Yeah. It's just like the producers are all like, yeah, we're looking into doing this. Yeah, there has to be a difference between what we're feeling and the information that we're actually putting out there. It literally says, Meanwhile, there are other plans in store for Miles Morales. It was recently confirmed by producer Amy Pascal that a live-action film following that Miles Morales version of Spider-Man is in active development. Joining a fourth Spider-Man film in 10 and Tom Holland along with other rumored, or the rumored Spider-Woman movie. The Miles film is in its early stages as no actor has been announced for the role at this time. That leaves the door open for more to potentially play the live-action Miles as well. And as he tells THR in a new interview, he's really hoping for that to happen. Stressing that he'd give anything to ha- he had to... He did everything he had to such a role if he had the opportunity. So I know we're not... We've not got actors confirmed and stuff like that. But that it says that they're confirming it's happening. That's all I'm saying. I can see the, uh, Jingles double checking on this article right now. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the stuff that Amy Pascal actually said. Meanwhile. And Amy Pascal had said, uh, "You'll see all of it. It's all happening." <laughs> um. So that's kind of a broad sort of thing to say. Yeah. No, I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna be friend- and skeptical. I'm sure that there are plans on working on stuff like that. Oh yeah, but like Ooh. super early development stuff. Yeah, like that's... when you when you're in post production, let me know. When I'm saying they confirmed it, I'm talking about this era. I'm not saying that they've got actors that they've got script because we know we're involved in a writer strike right now. Uh, there's more likely yes. gonna be an actor strike. Uh, Tom Holland's going to be taking like a year off from acting right now anyway. So more than likely, we're not going to be getting a regular Spider-Man movie for at least another year or two, as it stands right now anyway. So, I mean, I know, like I said, what I'm saying is confirmed that we're getting it. It's at the early stages of that confirmation. I'm just advising, we got something. 
It may be another. There, it may there's be, something it may be, there. It may be 2026 before we get it. Honestly, at some point. But like the reason why we're saying don't hold your breath on any of this, and that's why like, we're not getting pumped or excited about any of this, is because let's not forget we like as a community of nerds have had so many films promised to and us. Fall through. Mm-hmm. I get that. That had that go absolutely nowhere. And there are false leaks. There are bad starts. There, are, There is the Cyborg movie that yeah. was promised to us so long ago. That was confirmed by the producers by that the it was lead getting actor. made. Right? And then nothing came of it. And then nothing it. came of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that that's it, what, it that's wasn't why I st- the time. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that there is a confirmation that it could occur. That's all I'm saying. All right. And in that case, I will reiterate to the listener, don't hold your breath. I'm going to also reiterate, this is more of all like, they're going to try and work on it. Yeah, don't. this doesn't mean that it's definitely coming out. Yeah. Do not hold your breath. When a trailer drops, then you could probably start getting your hopes up. And then maybe don't get your hopes up because there are still plenty of films out there that drop a trailer that never never get. Right. I was going to say, wait a minute, there are several movies that have trailers that we never get either. So, yeah, let's not forget. Look, the Batgirl movie should be the clearest example of don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that super came out. The Batgirl movie that uh, totally was done and then got dropped like a hot pocket. I mean, come on. Yeah, the movie could be finished and ready to go and still not come out. Yeah. So, I don't know, like... The the producers can say a lot of stuff until we actually until we actually get like some production stuff or more information on it. I I don't even try and follow this kind well, of. And information. I understand the skepticism. All I was saying when I said it's confirmed that there that we're we may be get, we may be getting something on this is that's all I was advising was based on information I had. So I wasn't saying yeah, that and I'm, confirmation. I'm reiterating. Like, yeah, I'm not saying. I'm that. reiterating for the listeners. Okay, fair enough. By the way. Uh, another fun thing that's unrelated. Uh, apparently, Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and uh, Scott Hall don't have to go after Marvel anymore because uh, the Captain America Four title a couple weeks ago changed from New World Order to Brave New World, so it no longer mm. be called New World Order. So, just 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 for the continuing movie news and things like that. Yeah, that that is something that I heard as well. Yeah. So that that's all that is for that. Um, mm-hmm. Any any Spider Verse collectibles that y'all have seen so far that you're really digging into? I saw some AMC uh, popcorn containers that you could get for like thirty bucks a pop if you're going to AMC to watch the movie. You know, let me know if you pick that up because I mean it'd be cool. I mean it's like they, they they did Miguel, they did Miles, and they did Gwen as heads for with popcorn. I kind of would have loved to have seen them do a, uh, a spider punk with the, but I don't know how you do the, the horns on the head and have a popcorn thing. But I mean, I could have put a couple on the top, on the front, had to open hole and then a couple on the back. Maybe I don't know, but that'd have been dope. Have y'all seen any type of cool, like toys or memorabilia or anything like that? 
I've been trying to avoid looking at anything because I didn't want anything to spoil me True. on this movie. Yeah. Me too. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, uh, we we are done talking about this, um, and I greatly appreciate uh, getting a chance to talk with you guys on it. Any other thoughts on the movie? Any other praises? Any other, any other things you want to share before we part ways today? Uh, I just wanted to reiterate the fact that Though I, I, I'm clearly hard on like a part of the movie that really has bugged me, I still thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought it was amazing and about as good as I was expecting it to be, which was amazing because uh, End of the Spider-Verse, I think, is, is the best Spider-Man movie that they've made so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, I just wanted to, to uh, reiterate that it's, it's a great movie. Um, Really, really, really good movie, uh, and I'm I have high hopes for Beyond the Spider Verse. Okay, all right. Yeah, I feel pretty similar. I I'm just looking forward to seeing how they're going to wrap up this story. I'm hoping it wins all of the um, animation awards, and although unless uh, the Academy really surprises me, I don't think it's going to get nominated for movie of the year because usually with animation, they try to stick it all in animation. But uh, it would be dope if uh, it was on the list for, you know, best picture. But I don't think it will be, at least right now. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And um, if there's nothing else, uh, as always, I thank you all so much for joining us on another conversation about conversation about dot dot another episode of conversation about dot 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 weather. Uh, we've just joined us for a conversation about things we enjoyed, a little bit about a ben, the Ben Dunn interview, and more importantly, the talk and review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you share it with your friends. Appreciate you greatly listening. And above all else, uh, gentlemen, by the way, uh, last words for y'all before I wrap completely. I was wondering if you were going to give us some last words there. (laughs) (laughs) He was getting to it. I had to remember I had to sit there and put it out. Like, where am I going to put this in all this stuff I'm saying? Okay, here it is right here. So, boom. Right here. My final words is Mayday is best girl. Mm. My final words is, all right, let's do this again one more time. Oh, man, I thought for a second you were going to give us a full-blown cool origin. It's like, I'm smarter, Rasko, man. I got bit by a radioactive spider. Ah, you know, no, because that would be lame. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, fine. You know what? Fine. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it at half a sentence. And then we will wait for the next movie to come out before I finish it. All right. And then you will tell me how satisfying of a conclusion that was. All right. Well, in that case, hey, let's do this again for the last time until the next time we do it. Uh, My name is Will. I got bit by a radioactive spider uh, walking out my door on the way to work one morning. Didn't realize it then, but my life was forever changed. And um, in the state of Kentucky, I am the only Spider-Man that exists. So, if you need to be saved, I it may take me a bit to get there because swinging long distances will be a while. But we'll get there. We'll we'll do what we can. Anyway, above all else, guys, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be blessed to somebody, guys. Take care.